Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'm going to be your host today. On the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices for leading teams, for driving and executing strategy, and other best practices as it relates to leadership and team development. And our goal here on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and executable tips that you can use right away to support the growth of your organization or your business. So if you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on YouTube for other bonus content on strategy and leadership, or, and you can join in on the conversation on Facebook in the strategy and leadership community. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Nick Davis, who is the managing partner at Reaching the Future Faster and also the author of Future Ready, a change maker's guide to the exponential revolution. Nick, how are you today? Doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to chat. Uh, if we just get right into it, I know you've got a lot of titles and a lot of things you do just like for work and in the community. Uh, tell me a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what keeps you busy. Yes. I mean, the, the common thread for the work that I do is really you know, kind of more advanced technology and, and kind of strategy as it relates to you know, navigating the uncertain future ahead. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, as you said, one of the managing partners at Reaching the Future Faster, which is the consulting firm that we do and work with our partners uh, around the world uh, through. Uh, I'm also the faculty chair of innovation at Singularity University. Uh, so I worked there for a number of years, actually running our enterprise solutions team globally. Uh, but I still remain, you know, one of our, our lead faculty members there uh, in that particular arena. Uh, I'm the chief platform officer of the Mid Ohio Food Collective. So for any listeners who are from the Midwest, I actually uh, live and reside in, in Columbus, Ohio, uh, for the largest food bank in the state of Ohio, one of the largest in the nation feeding about 175,000 people a day at this point. Um, you know, while we're talking, we're kind of in the middle of the COVID crisis, of course. So uh, a lot of things are you know, changing in our model and how we you know, kind of meet the need for the hungry um, neighbor that we've got in the world. I also do venture capital. I'm a, I'm a venture partner at Bold Capital out of Los Angeles. Uh, and then launching a new uh, startup on upskilling and reskilling right now. So a lot of different things, but, you know, where they're all connected is, is Yes, certainly trying to work on this idea for the future of work, upskilling and reskilling and meeting the need around hunger. And the common thread is, is advanced technology. All right. So we could probably go a, a bunch of different directions. Why don't you just tell me exactly what's going to happen in the future? Well, you know, it's easy. We're all going to just be flying around on spaceships and, you know, the world will be perfectly clean. <laughs> uh, we don't have any idea. <laughs> I laughingly tell people all the time that, that my running year for being able to just kind of throw all prediction models out the window is, is 2047. You know, anyone who says that they can kind of really tell you what the world's going to look like at that point or after is, in my opinion, uh, my humble opinion, kind of making it up. Right. And so, you know, I, I think we have an idea for and I hope we have an idea for the world that we're trying to build, you know, and trying to help come to fruition. Uh, you, you know, the, the reader of the book would hear a lot about, you know, the fact that, you know, once we get into a certain uh, kind of amount of years ahead, 
it really is less about predictive models and a lot more around, you know, what do you want that world to be? And then what do you take, you know, what actions do you take today to back up to help realize that future for yourself, your organization, or so on? And so, you know, I think, you know, if anything, this lesson that we've learned very intimately with, with COVID is that, you know, the, the world is unpredictable. You know, we, we, you know, sometimes are forced to take, you know, very drastic actions and accelerate things to, you know, working from home and, you know, virtual teleconferencing, things, you know, are thrown upon us. And, you know, the technology can serve as a solution to help us take on those new challenges. And it can also obviously create some pretty serious issues. So, you know, I think the future is, is of course, you know, unknown. Um, but ultimately, what I would encourage anyone to think about is, you know, it is within our power to build it. And so, you know, how we find our way through that as a society, as a species, is, you know, hopefully the, the big task that we take on and we do it in a great way. I'm interested and, and curious about the intersection of everything that you've done. Because obviously you have the, the technology work that you do, you have the work that you do with the food bank, which presents its own set of perspectives, both from yourself and your stakeholders. You know, at Singularity, you must see tons of different organizations, concepts and things. And then obviously your primary work reaching the future faster and doing the go to market. And, and then at the intersection of that or at the crossroads is, is this idea that we can't predict the future everything is uncertain, but we can create and shape the future. So if we think of this sort of COVID world and how leaders are looking to scenario planning to mitigate risk and uncertainty, is that an exercise in futility to try to imagine where the world is going and hedge our bets? And are there trends that you're seeing that that are manifesting themselves, whether that's in technology and learning or food security and anything else? And then how do those sort of all of that amalgamation of data information, prediction and guessing help a leader and basically civilization be successful moving forward? That's a really big question. You can take that anywhere yeah. you want to go. Easy, easy question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what, one thing you said, and this is kind of an interesting point to make to, to start that answer. I, I think we can predict the future because ultimately the future is and can be one second from now, right? If I flip a coin, you know, the, the physics and laws of nature tell me that, you know, I predict it's going to land in my hand and 50-50 chance it would be heads or tails or whatever, right? Like depending on when we think that future that we're trying to predict is, you know, obviously the further out that we go, the less certain we are, um, you know? So, you know, right now, I think there's some really great modeling going on uh, with the experts around the world on, you know, how COVID is going to impact us uh, as a species, at least in the short term, right? And it gets more certain the further we go out. And so what I'll often tell organizations and, and, and people that we work with is the first question is what, what timeline are you try, trying to understand, right? Like, so we can, we can form a common language of where we're trying to gain a, a, an aligned understanding. And so for most of the companies that, that I've worked with and our teams have worked with, you know, you, you really want to get an aligned vision first. You know, I, I understand that you can read market trends. You can look at, you know, global, you know, globalization, analysis, supply chain. You can do all the things that, you know, McKinsey or Bain would do with you to, to kind of do just, you know, typical five-year scenario planning and, and, and economic analysis. That's going to only get you so far, right? You, you may get a view of the, the, the next few years ahead. There's still some uncertainty there market dynamics being what they are, you know, there's reliability or unreliability there, depending on what industry you're in. What I'm really talking about is ultimately, you know, 15 years from now, 
right? We, we, you know, we, we know from just the, the last decade or so that, you know, half or more of the, you know, Fortune 200, 500 will most likely be changed, right? There'll be a reshuffling of the guard uh, in that timeline. We know that change is going to happen. We know it's going to happen faster. We can wrap our heads around that, if you will. But, you know, anyone who tells you 15 years from now, they can predict out what, you know, what, what it's going to look like in the food industry to be able to distribute food. How, how we're ever going to figure out as a species why we're still leaving 40% of all product in the field well, we've got millions of people going hungry, right? Like it's, it's an obvious problem. It's staring us in the face. There are incredibly smart people working on it, yet it still happens. And, you know, and we're, we're feeling that in a very visceral way these days. You know, so I, I think we have to start by saying, you know, th- this is the future that we want to attain. You know, it's singularity language. It's called a massive transformational purpose. Other people will tell you it's a vision statement. Elon Musk, I think, would give you an idea of the world that he wants to live in, being clean, autonomous, space travel, and so on. And great, great visionaries are great at building this out. But then you have to back up a few years and say, okay, well, you know, if, if we're starting at 15 and then we walk back and we're still not being able to, to do full mapping at six, seven, eight years, right, 10 years. But we can get a little bit more certainty because we're getting closer to today. And then you can start to say, and what, what the book talks about is alternative scenario planning or alternative futures that you're testing. And so for me, what I like is then we can start to say, okay, what's the most you know, probable future that we've got? What's the most disruptive that would happen to us? What's the most likely, unlikely? And you can start to build these different narratives that allow you to pressure test your understanding of what you think could happen in the world to get you to that 15-year future. And once you have them, that gives you a hypothesis and something to test against. And you can go back to today. So now you're talking one, two years away and say, if we know that those are the five futures that we think are possible, and we know this is the future 15 years that we're aiming for, what activity must we undertake today to realize the best possible path in that alternative future for us and how we will ultimately achieve our overall vision? You know, and for Musk, as an example, that may be, you know what, I know I'm going to lose money in investing in building in rockets now. But I know that two to three years from now, it's going to build a capability around rockets that, you know, is not easily available for, you know, even the government to attain. And then two or three years from that, I, I believe we'll have enough efficiencies built in from the work that we're doing to enable personal space travel and so on and so on, right? And so that, that ultimate long-term vision is achieved by taking those steps now to, to realize it. But that is real easy to say and real difficult to do. And so in the book, we try and lay out the different steps and examples for someone to undertake how they could achieve that uh, and, and bring that alignment to it. So it's, you know, it's chunking it up for you in a way that's you know, we can get buy-in from leaders who need to know what their role is in doing it. We can help the organization understand that vision and strategy. We can start to map out and communicate it to our stakeholders. You know, all those things need to happen for it to work well. But you have to have it on kind of all those different timelines um, and have everyone aligned to it, I think. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, like basically having that understanding of that, that common future, that common vision, the common world that we want to live in. And in your case, you know, 15 years down the road, but I'm sure it applies to everyone uh, at, at varying timelines yeah. and scopes. You know, when I see like certain schools or, or cities, you know, they plan 25 or 50 years, depending on where you are in the world. And then working backwards right. from that, how do you see individual leaders 
sort of balancing that long picture, big, big picture, long-term thinking with like the in-demand needs right now and, and said another way, the balance between strategic and operational. Because, you know, right now there's a lot of people who their businesses have been disrupted. And I assert that in the next year or two, as the chips fall, there's going to be more of it or the fallout is going to be more pronounced. Um, I was chatting with my wife yesterday and, and she was saying that I think the, the big banks in New York own like 10% of the real estate. And if they don't decide not to renew their real estate, then it's going to impact all of these, you know, bodegas and everybody that relies on commuter traffic. So how do people sort of react to those things in a world of uncertainty? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of research here in the last few years around this kind of ambidextrous thinking and, you know, how do we, you know, zoom in and out is one model that I talk about in the book from uh, from one of our faculty, uh, John Hagel from Deloitte. You know, you hear other people talking about like the operator and the innovator mindset, you know, and being able to toggle back and forth. I, I think there are all ways for us to be able to start to say, you know, there, there's there's a need for us to be able to build that capability in each of us, you know, and, and, and toggle back and forth between those two mindsets and and do it with, with a fair amount of ease. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, in, in, in years past, okay for large organizations who had a fair amount of ability to leverage their resources to move slowly to say, yeah, I want my operators over here and I want my innovators over here. You go build some, you know, some new ideas for us and then we'll take those ideas and we'll move them over here to the people who are the, the viewers and they'll do it. And then we'll just, you know, that'll be our system that will manage the processes around. You know, this world is moving too quickly for all of us to live in our one kind of paradigm. And so especially as, you know, we, we move up in our career and we meet, you know, we, we reach middle management or senior level management. You know, you know, I, I'll, I'll say for myself that, you know, I'll be in one meeting where it's, you know, it's high level strategy. What does the future hunger look like and where are we trying to meet the need? You know, in the very next meeting, it's very tactical on, you know, what is the engineering staff that we're looking to build into the app? And how are we going to leverage, you know, machine learning to be able to do predictive outcomes for moving people through, po through poverty? It's like deep, deep engineering and operations. And then the very next next half an hour, my brain is, you know, strategy, vision, and, and, uh, and growth. And we have to be able to, to turn that on and off and, and know where the right place is for it. You know, I think it's, it's always sad for me to be, you know, in meetings or with uh, projects when, you know, you've got, you know, other stakeholders or partners on the project and, and they're stuck in one mindset and they really can't switch back and forth. And you'll, you know, people complain about the naysayers or the people who say it's always been done and, it, you know, this way that we can't do it differently. I mean, th those are the people whose mindsets, I think, need to shift to this new paradigm and really allow themselves the opportunity to say, you know, this, this world is vastly accelerating faster than we ever predicted, even when all these stories have been going on about acceleration, acceleration for years now. It's happening even faster than they thought. Technologies are converging in ways that allow us to do a lot of this work better, smarter, faster, cheaper. And, and it's a great thing. Let's embrace it and let it do what it's meant to do and kind of get out of, get out of the way where we're needed uh, or where we need to and, and, and toggle back and forth. But it's certainly one of those things that's easier said than done. It takes practice. It's not perfect every time. It can be messy. I don't care who you are, myself included. You know, we, we have times where you know, we're sitting in a meeting and we're just trying to get through it. And you know, you're just trying to get this thing moving and operating and you lose sight of the long-term vision of where you're trying to take it. And, and that you know, could, could come at a cost. And so yeah, I think we have to practice it and hold each other accountable to doing it. 
I really like that that zoom in and out sort of perspective. You know, when we look at it, we think about it like a telescope versus a magnifying glass. And depending on how close you are, you get a different level of, of perspective and that you have the operator and innovator sort of paradigm. And, and that I, from what I hear is from you, is that it's not enough to be one or the other because of the speed of change, which I agree with, is that how do we foster those things within like the duality of managers and leaders. And, and I think that if you're a up and coming manager and leader, that you have to be able to flex both of those muscles and, and work those out. And, and you said it very well, like the ambidextrousness of it, I really like. So my question to you and you can is, is both, how do you develop that skill? So if you have, you know, actionable tips that our, our readers can take to be more future ready, or our listeners can be more future ready. So what can they do to develop that skill? One or two or three practical examples. And then what are the risks in doing it or not doing it that you've seen in your experience? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the, the main advice and the metaphor that, that we use in the book is um, under our leadership models is, is this idea of both uh, you know, being the wave of disruption and the surfer um, on it. So, you know, if you think about this, just kind of, you know, and picture this in your mind, you know, we, we all think of, of disruption as this thing that happens to us. But in every disruption, uh, for the most part, there's usually a culprit that's causing it. You know, you can use your Amazons if you want from any industries these days. That's just trying to execute its business model. And by doing such, you know, it, it, it tends to disrupt other incumbents who have been there for a while and, you know, and may not have evolved as quickly or approaching in a more traditional ways. And so, you know, there's the person who's you know, capitalizing on the opportunity and there's a the person who's being disrupted by it. You know, and ultimately for leaders, you know, it's your job to say, you know, am I going to be the person who sits and waits and lets this happen to me? Or am I going to be the person who steps out in front of it and learns to either surf it or create the waves of disruption myself? I think there's a really proactive um, piece of that that I like a lot, right? Like you, it gives some sense of control to us as leaders to say, you know, I'm not creating all the ocean. I'm not creating all the waves that are coming at me or around me. But I am going to take some control over the fact that I'm okay with this constant activity of new things coming. And my job and my role is to, you know, if someone else has created it, I'm going to learn to ride that wave well. And I'm going to proactively try and create some ways of opportunity for myself and my organization more proactively. And, and anyone can do that. It doesn't have to be some huge, you know, billion dollar product that you're launching or something, right? Like, we all have ways that we can think about doing things better and differently. And ultimately, it, it, it just takes engagement, like caring about the mission, caring about your role and in, in, in helping this organization achieve its, its 15-year vision and the example that we're using. And, and ultimately, really digging in and saying, you know what, like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make it better. And, you know, and I'm going to think of a new opportunity or disrupt something that we've always been doing. Um, you know, I... Uh, I look back at you know, a few years ago when I was at Pricewaterhouse, we, we ran a, a stop doing challenge uh, in the innovation team, which was like, you know, we went out to the, you know, the U.S. firm and said, give us ideas for things that we could stop doing that are redundant or not necessary or a bad process or whatever. And then we financially incentivize the winners of those competitions and like give them a little prize. It's amazing all the things that we do that we shouldn't be doing, but we just do them anyway because we've always done them. And so... You know, I think when you draw people's attention to it, it doesn't have to be like, I created the most innovative thing ever. 
engagement really just looks like I'm going to find a new and better way to do it, and I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to help ride this thing to completion. And so, you know, it can be big waves and small waves, whatever you want to use that metaphor. But I, I do think that leaders have to embrace that level of thinking to stay competitive in this new in this new environment. You know, I think you know, to your point on on what what doesn't work well, disengagement, right? I, I think there, there's no longer a time where any employee uh, of any job type is going to be able to go to work and say, I gained that skill in my 20s, tradesman, iron, plumber, I don't really care what it is. I'm no longer going to need to update my skills over time. I'm good, right? Like you know, the, the number one job in the state of Ohio is truck driver. I went to truck driver school. I'm now going to be a truck driver for 30 years till I graduate or until I retire. I'm good. And so, you know, you know, we've got autonomous trucks coming. We've got, you know, new and better you know, trucks that even if it's not driving itself, the driver's got entirely new skills and capabilities around what they need to be doing to stay effective at that job. Like we have to constantly be staying on top of our own skills, our own ability to ride those waves and, and stay, you know, a productive surfer in this example. And if we don't, it's to our own detriment. We will get, you know, displaced, I think, or the company itself will, will fall behind if its collective workforce aren't, aren't doing that. You know, so, you know, it means that we have to constantly be kind of uh, at, at the wheel paying attention, um, if, if you forgive me for another metaphor. But I like where it gets us. It keeps us active. It keeps us engaged. It keeps us sharp. But I think the days are gone for someone who just wants to go punch a time card and, and uh keep that job safe. Got that. And then so in terms of like actually implementing that, I really liked your your idea of, you know, the stop doing challenge. Do you see and have you seen teams, you know, do they do this as, as one big push as in they do an offsite meeting, they come out with some ideas. Is it that it has to be like initiative that, that's driven by somebody? Is it that they, they do it on a, on a quarterly or a daily? Is it that it's like within the DNA or the culture of the organization to say, we sort of just challenge everything. And anytime there's an idea, we have somebody sort of question it. You know, what are the things that, you know, if we were to do one thing tomorrow morning in order to develop our ability to be flexible and malleable as an organization, obviously it's been pushed upon us, which is like the digital transformation led by COVID, but any other sort of processes, because as I see it, organizations have been hit with this big transformational change. And then there's these iterations that happen constantly. And for some organizations, which I'm sure you've seen, they've been around 30, 40 years. And a lot of them have been doing the same thing for 30, 40 years. Now they're reacting to this big thing. And then within the big thing, there's the smaller waves or aftershocks, if we think about it from an earthquake perspective, that are forcing their hand in terms of innovation, or rather, I would say, presenting an opportunity for innovation. So in all of the organizations you work with, what are like, if if somebody were to implement something tomorrow to say, hey, would it be having a meeting and talking about it? Would it be questioning something? Would it be looking at like a business model canvas? What would you recommend if you were to uh, for, for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, very practically speaking, uh, I mean, there's that old adage, you know, what, what gets measured is what's, what gets done, right? And so, you know, I, I think, you know, executive teams, CEOs, you know, have to be at a place where they're comfortable saying, this, this is our long-term vision. This is where we're going and what, we're, what you know, we're going to drive towards it. Uh, are you in or are you out? And, you know, and if individuals aren't okay with that vision, then they should probably, you know, find someplace else quite frankly. And so, 
you know, then it's, then you start to say, okay, well, now we have, we know we should be, or we have an aligned culture and vision and strategy of where we're going, right? The people that are here are the ones who believe that we can do this and it's the right place for us to go. And then you have to go down to the individual and say, what is your role in achieving that? And, and you know, people have to believe it. You know, the, the individual is not st stupid, right? We, we understand that we need to find a way to engage and feel like there's some ownership and the role that we're doing helps meet the purpose and the overall goal of that organization. Uh, I, I think people get off track when, when it's either CEOs don't do a great job of communicating what their vision is and where they're trying to take everyone, or there's a disconnect in transformation efforts about why would I change what I'm doing currently, which is working for me, to help you achieve something where I don't even totally understand it and I don't know my role in that new future. I mean, it's scary enough to say, I need you to work different, think different, change your mindset, unlearn, relearn, do all these things to get yourself future capable. And, I, and, you know, and, then, and then the person still doesn't know what their new role is going to be in that new future. That's scary. Like anyone would, would resist that change. And so, you know, I think that we have to do a really good job of saying you know, very tightly and, and over and over and over again in the media and our trainings and our keynotes and our company meetings. Again, let me remind you, this is, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. And just being so repetitive at it and then setting up the systems and processes for people to understand their role in it. They're being measured against it and not measured in a, in a stick way, right? Like if you're not on board, you're in trouble. And they like, if you, you know, if I understand my role in this, there's a new financial incentive for me to be able to uh, get a hold of by changing, right? P people need to feel like they're being rewarded and they are understood and that they are really having their company say, this is your new role. And when you move to that, here's the exciting new capabilities that are going to be at your fingertips. You know, new incentive models, things that are going to happen where, you know, you can increase your career, accelerate faster. Then it makes it exciting. We all know where we're going. I know what I'm doing in this new future. And I've got, you know, new capabilities where I can either get recognition or get, you know, a bonus or things that are going on around it. But you have to align all that. And it's, it ain't pretty. It's hard work. But I think for me, when I see, when I see companies fail at doing it, it's like, you know, this grand new vision is released. And then, you know, the individual line worker or manager or even sometimes senior managers are like, sounds great, but what do I do to help achieve that? You know, and, and, it's, and it's a missed opportunity, whereas the ones I see be really successful are the ones who are like, I understand it. It's very clearly articulated. I know where we're going. It's going to be hard. We're going to change. But ultimately, in that change, I know what my new thing is going to be, and it's going to be even better for me. And, and then people will do it. That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I'm happy to hear you say that because that's really, you know, at SME strategy, that's exactly what we do is we help organizations go through that process because it can be painstaking. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen it with hundreds of organizations. It's like, how do you get that alignment? How do you get that buy-in? How do you get that engagement? And how do you have that common language across everybody that everybody's like on the same playbook and, and talking about how to move forward? So um, I'm happy to hear you say that. And, and I'm really like looking forward to, you know, hearing more from you in terms of helping people be future ready and how to, you know, take advantage of this exponential change as the future goes on. So Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people uh, connect with you? Where can people learn more about uh, what you do and, and how can they get involved? Uh, the website is fasterfuture.org and they can reach me there and learn more about our services and buy the book. 
That's excellent. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you joining us today. It's been an awesome conversation. Thank you, sir, for having me and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. My guest today has been Nick Davis, who is the managing partner at Reaching the Future Faster and the author of Future Ready, A Changemaker's Guide to the Exponential Revolution. And one of the things I really appreciate about what Nick shared today is really looking at the different possibilities the future can take. And then depending on your sort of temperament and depending on, on how you work, looking at, you know, a long-term future or being like moment by moment, knowing where that certainty is and then finding your level of comfort uh, within that and then getting your team uh, engaged in that. So be sure to uh, check out uh, Nick and some of his other publications because I think you'll really enjoy them. And if you have somebody in your life that's dealing with change and transformation, uh, please send them this podcast so it'll help them in their journey. So once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you subscribe and I look forward to sharing with you next time. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you're in the process of renewing your strategic plan and you're looking for a framework to align your team and to create a clear vision, clear goals, and a clear roadmap on how to get there, be sure to check out our signature course that will walk you through the process that we've used to create hundreds of strategic plans successfully for organizations all over the world. You'll get instant access to all the videos and documents right away. And so whether you're planning a strategy session in three months, three weeks, or three days, you'll be able to get the most out of your meeting and have everyone be on the same page and bought into your plan. It's the exact same framework that we've used for our clients and we've packaged it in a way that you can use it easily yourself. So visit smestrategy.net slash course, and you can use the code podcast for $100 off. That's smestrategy.net slash course, and use the code podcast for $100 off, and you'll get instant access to all of the tools to help you create your strategic plan successfully and have everybody moving forward on the same page. Once again, this is Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you real soon.